Trainingport.net presents Business Aviation Training Report. Hello and welcome to the Business Aviation Training Report, a monthly survey of events in the business aviation world. I'm your host, Brent Fishlock. This podcast is produced by the leader in online training for business aviation, trainingport.net. We link the business aviation news of the day with the training needs of business operators, management, their support staff, maintainers, and pilots. We want to discuss topics that are important to business aviation professionals. So please send us your questions, comments, and suggestions at podcast at trainingport.net. That's podcast at trainingport.net. Hello and welcome to podcast number 19. Firstly, I would like to thank Scott McPherson, founder of trainingport.net, for taking on the host duties for the last podcast. I very much enjoyed his podcast and thanks to Kurt Edwards for taking the time to talk with Scott. If you have any comments about the podcast, please send us an email or leave a review on the Apple podcast app, tap on trainingport.net, then scroll to the bottom and click on write a review. Okay, aviation professionals. There are more changes for the North Atlantic that become effective January 30th, 2020. The North Atlantic has had many changes over the last few years, and this continues with increasing the size of the airspace where fans 1A or equivalent equipment is required. The Nat Ops Bulletin 2017-001 Revision 4 provides graphical information on the expanded vertical and horizontal boundaries of the North Atlantic Data Link Mandate Airspace, or Nat DLM. The bulletin also describes the policy for flight planning into Nat DLM airspace and operating procedures. The objectives of the North Atlantic Data Link Mandate are to increase communication, surveillance, and air traffic control intervention capabilities in the NAT region. The NAT is the busiest airspace in the world, so the NAT DLM has been designed and implemented to reduce the risk of a collision and provide an acceptable level of safety. ADSC provides capabilities for aircraft monitoring by ATC and adherence to the cleared route. ADSC is also invaluable for search and rescue operations. The North Atlantic Planning Group has set goals for the expansion of the data link required area, which are 95% of aircraft operating in that airspace to be equipped with FANS 1A, ADSC, and CBDLC systems by 2020. So, of course, that is now, so we'll see how well they have achieved their goal. So, what are the new boundaries of the NAT DLM airspace? The NAT has evolved through multiple phases. Phase 2A started in 2015, making flight level 350 to flight level 390 tracks designated as NAT data link within the organized track system, or OTS. Phase 2B commenced in December 2017 and added the entire NAT region to the applicable altitudes of flight level 350 to flight level 390. Now phase 2C starts on the 30th of January 2020 and expands the applicable altitudes to flight level 290 to flight level 410 throughout the ICAO NAT region. 290 and 410 are included altitudes in the final phase. So flight level 290 to 410 in the entire ICAO NAT region. As a reminder, the ICAO NAT region includes Bodo, Gander, Reykjavik, Santa Maria, Shanwick, and Sondrastrom Oceanic areas. Now, New York is included in the NAT region, but New York Oceanic East is not included in the NAT DLM. Neither is New York Oceanic West, which is Waters Airspace. 
More about that in a minute. The NatOps Bulletin clarifies this month's Phase 2C implementation by listing the airspace that is not included in the data link mandate airspace, even though this airspace is part of the ICAO NAT region. So the airspace not included is airspace north of 80 degrees north, which has unreliable geostationary satellite coverage. New York Oceanic East, like I said, this FIR is east of the Bahamas and south of the common NAT tracks. Airspace that is not included in the NAT DLM is also where ATS surveillance service is provided by radar, multilateration, or and ADSB and VHF voice communications. Multilateration is the technique that estimates the location of an aircraft by the time difference between signals arriving at multiple base stations. To simplify this last bullet point a bit, if you are under any form of surveillance and using VHF to communicate with ATC, then the airspace is not NAT DLM. There are other areas not included in the data link mandate which are specific to certain T routes as radar coverage is expanded in those areas. Refer to the bulletin for specifics on this. So if you are not equipped with the required equipment by January 30th, what are your flight planning options? Simply put, you cannot operate in the NAT DLM airspace. However, you may request a climb or descent through data link airspace, but you may not receive clearance to do so in a timely fashion. In order to flight plan through data link airspace, your aircraft requires the following equipment and associated approvals, which includes crew training. Bands 1A or an equivalent, CBDLC and ADSC. The NAT also requires RMP4 or RMP10 capability. Okay, let's talk about failures. I briefly covered the new NAT contingency procedures in a previous podcast, but the important number to remember here is 5 nautical miles, which is the offset distance if you don't have a clearance. In the case where you have lost fans or CBDLC or ADSC or RMP4 or RMP10, you should have some time to notify ATC and get a revised clearance before your navigation capabilities degrade to an unacceptable level. The NAT is very busy airspace, so any failures that occur must be treated correctly. If you experience an equipment failure prior to departure, which renders the aircraft non-DLM compliant, you should resubmit a flight plan so as to remain clear of the DLM airspace. If you experience an equipment failure after departure, but prior to entering the data link airspace, and the failure renders the aircraft unable to operate FANS 1A, CPDLC, or ADSC systems, your request to operate in the NAT DLM airspace will be considered on a tactical basis. You must notify ATC of your status prior to entering the airspace. If a FANS 1A equipment failure occurs while the flight is operating within NAT DLM airspace, ATC must be advised immediately. You may be re-cleared so as to avoid the airspace, but you may be allowed to stay. The key with any failure is to have a plan beforehand so it's a non-event. Okay, aviation professionals, let's change gears for a moment. In the news is a section of the podcast where I talk about other happenings in aviation. I was trolling my usual websites for all things aviation, and I was led to a Mexican handling service that is announcing that all international aircraft will be ramp checked for numerous required items upon arrival into Mexico. Other resources have said that the ramp checks are random and that not every aircraft will be checked. Either way, the ramp checks have already started. Handling agency is Manny Aviation Services, and I did find the announcement on the Ops Group website, which is a fantastic resource. The provider, Manny Aviation, says the Mexican Federal Civil Aviation Agency has not provided a checklist of items that will be checked 
So it is apparently up to each inspector to determine the requirements. The list of possible required items is long, but there are a few notable ones. And note that the documents must be the original documents in most cases. So the list includes airworthiness certificate, registration certificate, worldwide and or Mexican insurance stating private use when flying as such, and charter when flying charter. If you are a charter, then it is mandatory to have both worldwide and Mexican insurance. You require pilot licenses, both sides, and stating aircraft type rating, pilot's medical certificates, a valid document according to crew role, in other words, pilot in command or second in command. If you have a multiple entry authorization or MEA, this document is required and its corresponding payment receipt. For charter operations, the following are required. Valid Air Operator Certificate, AOC. Copies are accepted, considering this document might include many tail numbers. Payment receipts should also be included. The FAA's 4507 form, which is the Air Taxi Operator Registration. Copies are accepted, considering this document might include many tail numbers. Alternatively, the appropriate exemption document, Certificate of Public Convenience and Necessity, is also accepted. If holding a Mexican indefinite blanket permit, an IBP, this should be accompanied by the Mexican AOC and the yearly verification, including payment receipt, for it to be considered valid. Copies are accepted. The aircraft logbook must be available, stating the most recent information about maintenance performed on the aircraft. So perhaps a new logbook without any maintenance entries is not acceptable? Probably not the case, but something to consider. Next is the authorization to operate as a mobile radio aeronautics station or an aircraft radio station license. The aircraft flight manual. Noise certificate. The minimum equipment list when the type certificate indicates it. Mexican AIP. The pre-flight checklist. If the route inbound or outbound involves overflying the ocean, then a raft and or life jackets are required to be on board according to the aircraft type. You may require a weight and balance manifest, a first aid kit, Jepson manuals, digital format is accepted here. And finally, if you are operating as a private flight, it is required to present a document stating the purpose of the flight. Also, you must include the name of the lead passenger and declare his or her connection with the aircraft, such as is the lead passenger the owner or an employee, etc. The letter must also declare the relationship of the passengers with the lead passenger family, friends, employees, etc. The attempt here is to prove that there is no commercial purpose to the flight. Also, if you plan multiple landings, inspections will apply at each landing. I suggest checking with your Mexican handler for more information. I'll leave links in the podcast notes. Thanks for listening and have a great day. That's our podcast for today. Podcast notes will be posted on our blog at trainingport.net slash podcast. We aim to discuss topics that are relevant to business aviation professionals, and we would love to hear your suggestions for future podcasts. You can email us at podcast at trainingport.net. That's podcast at trainingport.net. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. This podcast is brought to you by trainingport.net, leader in online business aviation training. I'm your host, Brent Fishlock. Have a great day and thank you for listening to Business Aviation Training Report. For more information on each episode, visit us at www.trainingport.net slash podcast. Trainingport.net, helping business aviation professionals excel.